Well, uh, if you're joining us online, welcome to Madison Church Online. My name is Stephen, lead pastor at Madison Church. I'm glad you're all here today. It's week after Memorial Day. Uh, you kind of you you guys look more tired than I would have thought after a weekend off. And so, if you're online, uh, I'm going to trust that you have you're, you're ready for whatever it is that we're going to do today. Uh, does anyone remember the viral phenomenon of the standing broom? The standing broom. Does anyone remember this viral? Go ahead, raise your hand. Uh, raise your hand. Okay, yeah, you're okay. About half the room. If you're online, let us know. Uh, this apparently happened in 2020. Apparently, I don't remember it. I just had a few things going on in 2020 that made this very low priority to me. And so, uh, but apparently, I was told 2020 this happened. Uh, and so, there's a standing broom phenomenon. And one tweet suggested that NASA told us. NASA told people that on February 10th of 2020, it was the only day a broom would be able to stand on its own due to the gravitational pull. This is science. And sure enough, tons of people started posting on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, these amazing pictures of their standing brooms. Now, here's the thing. It turns out that a broom can stand on its own any day of the year, any time. It wasn't just February 10th. turns out that uh, had nothing to do with the gravitational pull, and NASA did, in fact, never, ever say anything about it being February 10th, the day that it um, happened. So, But, okay, I bring this up. What? Like, people went crazy. They're like, ah, science, standing broom, February 10th. I got to do this. I got to post and show everybody. Uh, why, why do you think that is? I mean, I have had time to think about this. I've been thinking about it all week. But why do we think that it is? Um, I, I think that it's because we're intrigued of stuff that's a little bit out of the ordinary. Standing broom, that's probably not something you think about, like, ever. And then one day, somebody's telling you that NASA says that on this day, it's going to stand because of the gravitational pull. And you're like, wait, really? And you do it, and you're like, wow, science. And then the next day, you find out, like, yeah, still science, sure, just not the kind that you thought. Why do we get so pulled into that. And I think that there's something inside of us that we really want to experience something that isn't instantly understood. We like that. We like being challenged a little bit. We like, we're drawn to things that aren't easily explained. In other words, I think that we have a curiosity of the supernatural. We have a curiosity of what isn't just natural. And like I said, the standing broom trick, that's one thing. It's very natural. It's not supernatural. Uh, we're drawn to that. But what about the supernatural stuff that is a little bit more intense, uh, like healings or miracles? Or when somebody says that God told me, dot, dot, dot. How do you react then? Are you intrigued? Skeptical? Nervous? Excited? For me, it depends. Uh, I love stories of healing and miracles. I'll get really excited about that. I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm happy for people when that happens. When somebody starts a sentence, God told me, dot, 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 it usually ends up being an attack on me uh, just a few moments later. And so I do get a little, I'm like, okay, let's hear what this has to do. So I get super skeptical there, but um, we should talk about it. I would bet that between Sundays, I would even bet on Sundays, you're curious about the supernatural. You're curious about the parts of our faith that aren't, you're not able to study in a laboratory. Like what is going on when we hear about the miracles and the powers and the different things that are going on? And if God does speak today, could God speak through Jeff and 
to have Jeff send me a message or could God speak to me and have me bring a message to Judd? Is that possible? And that's what we're going to talk about in the next few weeks in our series, Naturally Supernatural, which yes, I know it sounds like an oxymoron, right? Naturally Supernatural. Uh, Here's why uh, it's not just an oxymoron, it is, but why it's intentional. You see, natural is defined in English as existing in or caused by nature, not made or caused by humankind. This is the part that we uh, understand. Natural is what's easy for us to understand. You can observe the natural. You can look at it. You can measure the natural. And you can predict the natural. You can put it in a lab and study it. The supernatural, however, is something beyond scientific understanding, something that's beyond the laws of nature. And that's where things get blurry and things get messy. So in order for something to be supernatural, it is by definition beyond the natural, meaning it's outside of what's observable, it's outside of what's measurable, and it's outside of what's predictable, which is why a lot of us in the room, we struggle to understand the supernatural. What draws us also makes us struggle with it. And it's why I think that a lot of our first reaction, whether it's healing, whether it's miracles, whether it's God told me to tell you dot, 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 I think that um, because we struggle with that, that we just decided we're going to reject it altogether. We don't even entertain it a lot of times. We're just going to flat out reject it. But the reality is, the reality is, is that the natural and supernatural are interwoven. If you are a person of faith here today, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you believe in God as the creator of the universe, then you believe that both the natural and supernatural are interwoven. We can't separate them. There always has been, and th- or they have always been that way, and they always will be. And the supernatural is supposed to be part of our natural, everyday lives. We can live supernaturally in a very natural way. Like I said, as followers of Jesus, this is very key to what we believe. I mean, think about this. God was the supernatural creator of our natural creation. So out of the supernatural came the natural. God spoke supernaturally everything that you can see today, nature. God created the natural, but God is inherently supernatural. Supernatural. When Jesus came to earth, our supernatural God stepped into the natural world. It's a bit of a tongue twister, isn't it? A cornerstone belief is that God wasn't just fully man, but he was fully God. He was perfectly natural and he was perfectly supernatural. And as such, as followers of Jesus, we follow him. He's our example. He is the model for us as we live our lives. How should we live? We look at Jesus. He lived a natural life in the brokenness of this world. He lived just like you and me in the brokenness of the world. Skin, knees, uh, bad hair days, BO, and all of that. But he also ushered in supernatural realities because he could heal people. He could do miraculous things, uh, including raising people from the dead. Jesus was constantly at work putting the natural world back in order as it was originally intended to believe. We talked about that a lot in the last series, how not to read the Bible, right? We talked about Eden and how this was God's intention. And when Jesus comes, he's taking us through the natural process of getting us back to that. The gospel writer Matthew describes Jesus's ministry this way. He says that Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. These are natural things. Jesus is teaching and announcing. Again, natural. And then he healed every kind of disease and illness. 
Well, that's supernatural. We can't study that in a lab. Like, how did that happen that he laid hands on somebody and all of a sudden someone who was blind can now see? That's supernatural. And again, since following Jesus uh, is what we are supposed to do, then we're supposed to live naturally supernatural lives every day and every moment of our lives. But for many of us, as I've already said, the supernatural is outside of our comfort zone. We're fine with the natural mostly. Uh, there's some things about the natural we'd like to give up. But And then when it comes to the supernatural, there's just a few things that we'd like to take and, and anything else, man, it's, it's a little bit more uncomfortable. We're just going to leave that over there and maybe we'll come back to it some other time. When it comes to this part of our faith, the supernatural, I think that a lot of us, you would describe uh, a fear. I have a fear of this. Uh, I have a reservation when it comes to this. You may even have a bad experience, depending what church you were a part of, how you grew up, the pastors in your life. When it comes to healing, miracles, and prayers, they may not be in your opinion, like good supernatural might have been a form of manipulation and abuse. And I want to state that right from the beginning, that that is possible that somebody used and abused those things. But it's important that we acknowledge that there are also good examples of supernatural things like hearing from God and prophecy and healing. There are good examples of those. So the first thing I want to tell you to do is to be discerning. Over the next few weeks, as you read your Bible, as we pray together, as we talk and study, be discerning. What is God saying to you throughout all of this? Is this coming from God or is it not? Uh, and I also want to, throughout the study, expand your plausibility structure. Plaus- plausibility structure. And so this is what uh, I'm going to call th- this plausibility structure is this box. And we have a relationship with God. We put ourselves in a relationship with God in the box. And at the center, again, of this box is, is us with God. And uh, everything that we like about God and faith, we put in the box. So like praying for anxiety, that can go in the box. We like that. Forgiveness of sins. Oh yeah, I mess up. I definitely need forgiveness of sins. Uh, going to heaven and not hell. Yeah, that's in the box. Okay. Um, God speaking to me. Well, maybe we'll just leave that outside the box. Uh, God healing us. God doing miracles. We'll just leave that outside of the box. God speaking to somebody to speak to me. That's definitely not even in the slide. That's like over there. We don't want that anywhere near what we're doing. So what we do is with our relationship with God, we establish boundaries and we essentially say, God, this is what's okay. And this is what's not okay. I I think we all do this. Okay. And I'm not saying that that's all right. I'm just saying that I think we all do this. Um, And if we want to experience the supernatural, we kind of got to open up the box. We've kind of got to expand the box. We've got to let God be God and move how God wants to move in and around our lives. And so that means that we're going to have to expand what we consider plausible. What if there was a dimension to your relationship with God that you're missing out on? That's kind of the question behind a lot of this. Is there an aspect of your relationship with God that you're missing out of because you have put God in a box? A supernatural dimension where you can experience God's activity in the world in a way that cannot be explained by human logic. Is that possible? Is that waiting for you? Is it right at your doorstep? You just got the door shut and locked. Let's talk about how we can unlock and open the door and experience God in a fuller, better way. I mean, because let's be honest, as a church community, we don't want to miss out on the amazing things that God wants to do in and around all of us individually, but also as a community. 
I mean, why wouldn't you and I want to experience the very best that God has to offer us? And what if I told you the person keeping that from happening was you? It it was yourself. So throughout the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how we can expand our box and open ourselves up to let God do God things, supernatural things in our lives. Today, we're going to study out of 1 Corinthians. That's where we're beginning. So if you want to follow along, we're going to 1 Corinthians 12. And maybe it'll put you at ease to know that even the early church, with all of the signs, wonders, and miracles, even the early church struggled with gifts, signs, wonders, the supernatural. In a letter to the Corinthians, Paul expresses the same concern for the Corinthian church that I'm expressing to you today. He wants the Christians in Corinth to experience the supernatural. And beginning with verse 1, he says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. So he says, ah, brothers, sisters, family, um, you have questions about the supernatural. You have questions about the Spirit and the gifts that he gives you. Uh, Paul says, to begin with, I don't want you to misunderstand, right? I think that that's where a lot of us get scared. We don't want to misunderstand either. And there is a lot of confusion about those special abilities. And what we come to find out in the church at Corinth is that there are some elevating some gifts as more important than others. They would say, well, I have the power of healing, and that's obviously most important. And then other people would say, well, I've got the power of prophesying, and that's obviously more important. And then you had a hierarchy within this church in Corinth of people who were gifted this way, and then this way, and this way. And if you were gifted this way, you were kind of like on the low rung of the ladder and everyone else. And Paul's saying, no, that's not true. That's not how it is. We kind of have some of that still today, 2022, in our broader church context where some spiritual gifts are deemed more important. I, I would say nowadays it's, it's more like charisma and the ability to teach. That's probably one of our gifts that we put up toward the top. And if you have that gift, you're, you're kind of higher up on the rung. And, and Paul's saying, no, 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 no. There is no hierarchy of gifts. See, God gives all of the gifts. They're all important. And then at the same time, Flip side, and again, we have this in our culture too. There were people who were accusing other people of blasphemy. So there would be a miracle or a healing. Somebody would speak in tongues, prophecy, and they'd say, blasphemy. That's not from God. And Paul's saying, well, no, it can be. And like I said, we get that in our society too, right? We, we see that church over there. They're speaking in tongues or there's prophesying. We hear about a church where there's healing or a, a movement in which miracles are happening. And we get skeptical. We say, there's no way that's from God. And Paul's trying to bring both groups together and say, well, it, it's kind of a little bit of both. There is no hierarchy and this stuff does happen. And I don't want you to misunderstand that. So we have to continue to use discernment. And so he continues on writing. He says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but it's the same spirit is who is the source of all of them. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. And so he says, there's different spiritual gifts, but it comes from the same spirit. We have different kinds of service, but we all serve one Lord. And what he's saying is that there's diversity within our unity and there can be unity within the diversity. The first thing Paul wants them to know is that God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit is present in the supernatural. God is the source of the gifts that we have. And Paul tells us that what we're supposed to do with these gifts is use them to help each other, to use them for the common good. These gifts are supposed to be a benefit to the community, to the people sitting in front of you, behind you, around you. If you're watching, listening online, your gifts are to build up the community and the faith of the community around you. The gifts that we're given 
whatever they might be, and we're going to talk about them in a minute, but the gifts, whatever they are that you have been given, they're not to elevate you. They're not to elevate you, but they're to elevate the community. When it comes to supernatural gifts, you have to think we, not me. It's about us, not just about me, the individual. Paul goes on, as I said, he writes about these supernatural gifts. He writes, to one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all of these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Now, if you've read the New Testament maybe once or twice, you're probably thinking, well, I've read about spiritual gifts in other places too. And yes, you have. This isn't an exhaustive list of spiritual gifts. This isn't all of the spiritual gifts. Just in this church context, these were the gifts that Paul is talking about. And Paul uh, addresses in this passage more of those supernatural gifts. And Paul wants us to practice these supernatural gifts in the right way and in our natural way and in our natural lives. And so for our purposes, we can really put these giftings that Paul talks about in Corinthians into three different groups. And the first group is what we would call gifts of revelation. Gifts of revelation. You might have the gift of revelation. Um, They include wisdom, knowledge, and distinguishing between spirits. The gift of revelation brings to light what is hidden. They give insights on the thoughts and intentions of God. And so if you're somebody who you feel like, you know, like, I don't know where the advice comes from. I just feel like somebody's telling me something and I I give them a little bit of advice. Um, I just kind of, I can sense something about people. Uh, These might be gifts from God to you, a gift of revelation. The second group of giftings are gifts of power, and they include faith, healing, and miracles. The gifts of power demonstrates God's power in visible ways through signs and wonders that cannot naturally be explained. Um, so people who have a very strong faith and it's, it's unwavering no matter what they're going through, all the bad stuff in life is hitting them and, and they still, their faith just seems to get stronger. We're told that faith is a gift. We know that there are miracles, things that just happen. We're like, wow, that was a miracle. People get healed. Oh, we pray for people on Sunday mornings here during the music because we believe in healing. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that I have the gift of healing. I don't know if Judd would say that he has the gift of healing, but we get together and we pray because we believe that there is a gift of supernatural healing, and that's why we pray. And the third group of gifts that uh, Paul writes about here are the gifts of speech. And they include prophecy, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. Gifts of speech communicates God's message to hearers. And in these gifts, we see that God uses a variety of means of ways of, of different gifts of supernatural ways to speak to us. And Paul's just asking the church then, the ancient church 2,000 years ago in Corinth, he's asking us today in Madison 2022 to just be open and discerning, open and discerning to how God wants to work through 
the supernatural. And so I want to challenge you today, no matter where you're at, maybe you're somebody who's very enthusiastic about these gifts. We're talking about miracles, powers. You're like, yes, finally, we're into it. Let's do it. And maybe some of you are scared and you're like, where's my seatbelt? I'm going to need one of those. If this goes the way I'm thinking it's going to go. Um, We want to be open and discerning to however God might use the supernatural, especially when it comes to our community. Again, these supernatural gifts aren't just for you to elevate you to a position, but it's to help our community. And so as you open up, it's not just benefiting for you, it's benefiting to every single person in the room. Now, I know that for a lot of you, uh, we, we talk at our membership and our newcomers' lunches and our meals about all the different faith backgrounds that we come from. And I know that a lot of you, you don't come from a church background uh, that had any of this or practice this. This was kind of like one of those things that like it happened a long time ago and it doesn't happen anymore, but we don't know why. We don't really have an explanation. <laughs> they just don't happen. Probably the explanation is that I'm uncomfortable. I don't understand it. I'm not open. I'm not discerning. I'm just going to shut this down. But we don't have to do that. And you don't have to do that. And I know that what we're talking about today and really getting into it the next three weeks as we talk about like practically what this looks like in our community, you might be uncomfortable. And so you might just want to avoid the topic altogether. And you're like, I'll see you next series in July. Uh, Don't do that. Hang with us here. You're not going to become a religious weirdo at the end of it. Okay, there, so you can all excel. You're not going to become a religious weirdo at the end of it. Um, You're going to be amazed at how God's Spirit can move in and around you today. Think about what you possibly have been missing out on in your life up to this point. However old you are, whatever age and stage you are, imagine that there's just one more thing or there's lots of things that God wants to supernaturally do in your life, in your marriage, in your family, at your work, and all we've got to do is let God out of the box that we have put him in. So my challenge for you today is to expand your plausibility structure. Let's challenge one another to think bigger about what God can do and what God wants to do in and around our community. We all have a plausibility structure in our relationship with God, but we need to think critically about how our existing structure has been shaped and misshaped. Your church background, whether you have some of it or none of it, affects the box that you have put God in, what you have been told. How has your box grown or even shrunk in light of recent life experiences? Let's just talk just the last couple of years, right? I mean, life was crazy before 2020, but 2020 was really crazy. And then 2021 was also crazy. How have the last two years affected your view of God? Has your box gotten smaller or bigger? What would you in 2019 say about your view of God today in 2020? With 2019, you say, wow, that's amazing. We went through a really hard time, but look at our faith now. Or would you in 2019 be dragging you somewhere? Be like, you're going to read the Bible and you're going to pray a little bit more this week. You know, I, I can't answer that for you. Only you can answer that. How have you potentially boxed God in in the last few years? And if your desire is to know who God really is, then we need to allow God to expand our view of him. We can't define, we can't say, God, this is who you are. God's already defined. So we need to say, okay, God, you be you. And God, you do you. We love hearing that for ourselves. Usually when it's about, we're about to make a bad decision and we don't want someone to judge us. We just want their uh, un, you know, unfettering support. We just, just support me. You do you, boo. We're like, yes, okay. Well, maybe we, instead of that, that's probably really bad advice for yourself. Okay, and your friends. Don't, so don't do that. But maybe when it comes to God, 
We can say, God, you do you. And that would be a good thing when we begin to let God out of the box. Now, I do want to say we want to let God out of the box, but there are still a few different ways um, in which we can do that. And so when we're talking about expanding the box, I want you to think of four different um, aspects and areas. One is theology. So as we talk about letting God out of the box, I want you to consider theology. What is written in the Bible? What's written in the biblical text? How should we understand that? And the only way to know that is to read your Bible. And so throughout this series, the challenge is to continue to read your Bible. Remember, not just a verse, but a paragraph or chapter, uh, depending how much time you have. And so as we think about letting God out of the box, what do we read in the Bible about God? A second aspect is testimonies. Let's hear from each other and listen to one another about how you and me and we have experienced God's supernatural activity in our lives. As I've gotten to know uh, pastors and church planters in places like India and Africa and Ukraine and Iraq, I realize that their box for God is a lot bigger than mine. And in a lot of ways, it has to be because they're out of their comfort zone so far compared to where I am today. And so we're going to listen to testimonies. Let's listen to one another. Um, tactics, practical instruction on how to engage with God in a supernatural activity. So I think we can naturally bring in the supernatural into our life. Consider tactics, things like praying, going to small group, uh, taking communion, trust, overcoming the fear and doubt that we might have to believe that God is and desires to act in supernatural ways in our lives. God does it for our good and out of love for us. And as we learn, hear, practice, and see God work in supernatural ways within the kind of the, not confines, but within the aspects of these theology, trust, tactics, and testimonies, I believe that you're going to see your box of God expand over the next month. And so who you are today will hopefully, if you stay engaged and you follow through with these applications, when we begin July, at the end of this series, I think you're going to say, wow, my box of God got a lot bigger as a result of our four-week study um, at Madison Church. So if there is more for us to experience um, in our relationship with God, let's do it. Like, why wouldn't we want that to happen? And so I want to, again, make a priority to join us the next few weeks for the series. And if you can't be here in person, join us online. We do the Thursday nights at live.madisonchurch.com. It's been said that there's no growth without awkwardness. There's no growth without awkwardness. That's a good one. You'll want to write that down and remember it. Our journey into the supernatural will no doubt feel awkward at times, but that is where growth will begin to happen. And each week of this series, we're going to close with this prayer that we'll leave on the screen during the final song as we take communion. And it's a prayer I want you to continue to pray even throughout the week. It's very easy to remember, but let's pray it now. God, Expand my vision, embolden my heart, and release your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven.